You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. All right, welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors. My name's Corey Janoff, joined as always by Rochelle Vanderzanden. Hey, everyone. And today, um, we want to do a fun episode. So you might recall the one we did uh, a few sessions ago about leaving a legacy. Um, And and we want to talk about a topic kind of related to that. It's essentially the opposite of it, which is, uh, you know, dying with zero or spending it all, if you will, while you're living. Um, So we're going to chat today about essentially how to accomplish that, getting rid of it all. And part of this was sparked by a, a book that Rochelle and I uh, both read recently. It came out, I think, a year or two ago, but um, it's called Die With Zero by Bill Perkins. Uh, it's a quick read. Definitely encourage you all to go check it out if you are interested. And uh, it has a lot of interesting ideas that kind of you know goes against the grain of the conventional financial guidance, if you will, which is work, 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 save, 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 and then retire on your nest egg. Um, it, it's more about you know, finding that balance and spending your money on enjoyable experiences while you're living and essentially trying to, to, to die with a balance of zero in the bank account when it's all said and done. Easier said than done, of course, as there's a lot of variables at play, but um, we're going to dive into all of it here. Yeah, I think one thing about that strategy and what um, Mr. Perkins talks about a lot is that All the money you have equates to hours that you worked. So if you die and you have money in the bank, it's basically like you spent those hours working for nothing, which, you know, maybe you have a purpose for that money you left behind. And we'll talk about that a little bit too. But I like thinking about it that way. Just like, oh no, like I worked these hours and I didn't really want to do that. And maybe it took time away from other things I could be doing or time I could have been spending with family in order to earn money. So I could spend it later in life and then I never did and I never had those experiences. And that's kind of sobering. Like no one wants that. No one wants that to happen. So, you know, it's all about strategizing and trying to optimize your working time and the money you save and the money you have and creating those experiences while you're living. Because you can't experience it when you die. That's for sure. Yep. Hard to have experiences when you're in the ground. Um, so I guess, you know, if you will go through some overarching themes that, that was, that were discussed in the book and then talk about some real life examples for, uh, applicable to, to you guys as, as doctors at the various stages of your careers. Um, I think obviously the first and foremost, the goal is, is to die with as, as few regrets as possible, essentially. So maximize your life and, and get as much fulfillment out of it as you can. And I forget if it was in this book or, or somewhere else that I read it, but um, Jack Welch, the former CEO of GE, apparently almost died of a heart attack uh, once. And he was asked uh, what he was thinking was he was being rushed into the ER on a stretcher. And his response was, I didn't spend enough money. Um, and then from then on, he vowed never to spend less than $100 on a bottle of wine, which you know, I guess if you're into wine, 
Um, and obviously Jack Welch has probably a larger budget than you or I have, but, uh, but still he's like, why am I buying the cheap stuff when, you know, I could be gone tomorrow. So let's, let's enjoy it if we have the means to do so. Um, which I love it. If you have the means to do so, enjoy it, you know, buy the top shelf wine or liquor, you know, go to the steakhouse for dinner and, and, and get the, the, the fancy, you know, tomahawk, ribeye, whatever that's, you know, hundred plus dollars for, for, for your meal. Um, you know, there's, you could think of endless scenarios where we want to make sure we're taking advantage of, of, uh, even just those little indulgences that, that we can afford if we can afford it. Yeah. The other thing that he talked about a lot in the book was that we think a lot about spending money later, 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 later. But in reality, when you're young and when you're healthy, that's when you have the most physical ability and the most health to be able to actually enjoy the things that you want to do. And not everything takes like optimal health to be able to do. Like there's lots of things that older people do and enjoy, but there are also lots of things that may be very difficult to enjoy when you are elderly. And that, you know, includes like doing things like backpacking through Europe or, you know, going on hikes up to Machu Picchu or like whatever it is that you think may be on your bucket list, you really have to make sure that you make time to do it while you can because it may be that you put it off forever and then you get there and either you can't do it anymore or you find like, okay, maybe I wanted to do that when I was 30, but I really don't want to do that anymore. So maybe you should have done it when you were 30 instead of waiting until you were 60. Yeah. I actually saw they closed Machu Picchu. Like, I guess there's political unrest in, is it Peru or something? But Yeah, I had a client, yeah, aside, but I had a client who's planning to go to Peru and do that, but now they're they're planning a, a vacation somewhere else in South America because that maybe that's why I was thinking about it. But. <laughs> but while you still can do it, you know, maybe we don't have to climb Mount Everest, but you get the idea. Encourage your kids to backpack through Europe after, after uh, college is done. They're probably never going to get that opportunity again in their life nor you know when they're older will they want to be sleeping in hostels with eight to a room and hiking around and, and whatnot but um but yeah take advantage of it while you're, you're physically able uh because you know your health it's, it's probably not going to improve as time goes on yeah and a lot of this sounds inherently selfish and i think that's something that gives people pause sometimes but it doesn't have to be you know, if your priority is not, I want to do all these things for myself, I want to eat fancy steak, I want to drink fancy wine, I want to like travel the world. If your goal is to make your family happy and healthy, you can do that now while you're living. If your goal is to like give to charitable causes and to be like a force for good in the world, you can do that now. Like there's lots of ways that you can do this and kind of see the effects of what your money and your time can do for people right now instead of waiting until later. Yeah, so rather than just putting it in your will to get divided up after you're gone, you know, divide it up now. Give it away now so you can actually see those dollars at work and uh, enjoy the fruits of your labor. Let's see, you want to run through a couple examples here, Rochelle? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, we don't want to discourage people from saving. That is not the goal here at all. Like the goal is to find a healthy balance and not to be just focusing on saving or just going on autopilot and doing all of these things because that's what you're supposed to do and that's what everyone told you to do. So just kind of think about it. So throughout different phases of your life, it may be different how you want to kind of adjust things. But one example that's probably relevant for a lot of our listeners is for 
physicians or other medical professionals who are still in training, like a resident or you're a fellow, um, you have very little time and money compared to an attending physician. So those are your very limited resources. We have your health still, but at this point, I have seen a lot of clients scrimp and save and try to get a jump start on retirement savings because they feel like they're losing time, they're losing time, they're losing time. But in reality, you know, is it really worthwhile to scrimp and save when you know you're going to be making more money in the future and substantially more? Like your attending salary compared to your training level salary will, will be very different. And, and I don't want people to do that just because they think they're supposed to. Like if you want to do it, if that is a, a real big goal of yours, then go for it. But like at a minimum, let's try to contribute the minimum to get any matching dollars at work. Like if you are engaged in, or you have like a 403B at work and your employer will put some money in for you, like that's free money. Let's not say no to that. <laughs> like if you have to scrimp to do that, I would kind of encourage you to do that. But beyond that, we don't want people to be scrimping so much that their quality of life suffers if you have plenty of time in the future to kind of make the whole picture work. So don't necessarily put off experiences that you can't have in the future. Like let's say your best friend's getting married and it's going to be really expensive to go to that wedding. You know you're going to have to pay for plane tickets. It's going to be hard to do that. I would not want people to like put that off so they can contribute to a Roth IRA. Like your best friend's never getting married again. <laughs> you can put money in a Roth IRA later, maybe. That's another topic, but there's lots of different ways you can think about these things. For sure. Yeah, and, and want to make it clear that we're not saying, nor is um, this book telling people, spend, 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 you know, switch from a lifestyle of saving to spending. It's, you know, because it's hard to just flip that switch to go back if you're used to living a life of spending to go to living a life of savings. But it's finding that balance and really, like Rochelle said, making sure you're not putting off those potentially once in a lifetime or very memorable experiences just because, you know, you're, you think you're supposed to be saving and responsible as an adult. So yeah, residents get the match in your workplace retirement plan. If you can max out the Roth IRA, if, if you can save more, great, you know, you make us happy the more you save, but at the same time, let's, let's make sure we're, we're enjoying ourselves a little bit too, while we have that youth in us. Cause it's, uh, um, yeah, what, what's the saying? Youth is wasted on the young. So take advantage of it. Absolutely. Let's see, another example. So we're going to just progress through career and age here. Um, so we're out of residency. We get, we're early on in our attending careers with a young family. And basically your time is money. Um, but, but money is not the only consideration here. It's about turning that into experiences and uh, the experiences with family might be worth more than the money that you know would translate into experiences later in life. So it's finding that balance. Does you know the the future? Do you need uh, the time and experience more, or or, or th does future you need the time and experience more, or does current you and your family need that time and experience more? And this is a, a, a tough one. And I think um, just working with people at all stages of their careers, I think one of the biggest regrets of retirees or older workers is that they work too hard and didn't spend enough time with their family. Um, I think for those of you that listened to that uh, episode that I did with my dad uh, not too long ago, you know, I think that was basically his only regret is that he wished he didn't work so hard. Um, you know, and, so, and some of you 
love working and enjoy it. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, but you know, again, you're only young once your kids are only young once. Um, you know, let, let's make sure we're, we're finding that balance and, and, and making those memories while we can. Absolutely. Yeah. I think example three kind of leads into that. Okay. Maybe you love your work. Maybe that's what you want to be doing with your time, which is absolutely acceptable and fine. Um, and maybe you live a simple life too. I think some people, what makes them happy doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money. Maybe it's like putting your garden together, hiking, like doing things that are close to home. Like you chose where you live because where you live is awesome <laughs> and you don't need to travel all over the place. Yeah, Corey's pointing at himself right now for those that aren't, aren't watching. Corey picked where he lives because he can do lots of cool and memorable things right in his neighborhood. So there's lots of different ways that we can think about that. Um, so if you're one of those people, let's say you work because you love it, not because of the money. You want to work and you want to work for a long time. You're not going to retire at 55. You're going to retire when you're like 70 because you love it. We don't know this for sure, but, <laughs> but let's say that's the way you're leaning. And you have a lot of money. You don't really need it all now. So you've been investing it, which is great. Like that's a good use of your money. But that money that you're investing, if you're working until 70 and you don't live like a very extravagant lifestyle and you expect that to stay the case long term, maybe you're investing more than you need and you're going to pass away with a bunch of money and investments that you don't need, which is awesome. Like you have way more than you need, but you have this money sitting around for no reason. And if you don't need it, maybe you can use it in a way right now that's going to bring you some joy by either like gifting that money or giving to charity, splurging on some more memorable experiences, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think one of the best examples here is, is Warren Buffett. I mean, the dude could have retired 50 years ago with tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions to his name. We never would have heard of him if that was the case. But um, you know, I think he, he loves working. He loves what he does. He loves making money. Um, it's, it's almost like a game, just seeing that money stack get taller and taller as time goes on. Um, and... Uh, it, you know, if that's the case for you, if you enjoy working, by no means we're not telling you to stop, but let's make sure we're using that money to to bring further enjoyment at, at this point in time. If you know you have more than you're ever going to spend in your life and you don't really have a desire to spend it on yourself, let's spend it on others or, or whatever your plan was for post-mortem. Were you going to give it to charity? Were you going to give it to your kids, grandkids? Let's start doing that now. You know, it'll probably benefit them more now than it will after you're gone. I think we might reference this later, but um, you know, he, he referenced a study in the book that uh, inheritances add the most value between the ages of 26 and 35. You know, you're old enough to be kind of mature. You're not going to just blow it all in your teens or early 20s, um, but you also are in that position where you're kind of just getting started with your career. You could actually use that money for the home down payment, pay off the student loans, uh, you're starting a family, things are more expensive. Um, it, it'll, it'll go a long way. Whereas if, you know, if you live a long, healthy life and you die in your nineties and you're leaving an inheritance to your children in their sixties, like heck, they might be retired by then already. So it's not really going to benefit them at that point to receive that money. So you know, his argument is let's, let's give it away while it can make the most impact to the people we're giving it to. And, and then we can, hopefully receive enjoyment from uh from from watching the you know that money work for their benefit 
Absolutely. I think on the charitable giving side, Mackenzie Scott is a really good example. You know, there's a lot of philanthropists that set up foundations and they fund them and they still have a great deal of wealth, but they transfer it like piecemeal, like a little bit at a time. Whereas she is trying to like very aggressively give her money away now while she is still young um, and where while she thinks it can do the most good. It's like, why would I wait 30, 40 years to give this money away if I could give it away now and have a big impact now? Um, and that's you can think of your money the same way, even if it's on a much smaller scale than Mackenzie Scott and Warren Buffett and these folks. But, you know, your money can have the, the same impact on a smaller scale. Yeah, definitely. Um, next example, an early retiree. So you just retired. You made it to the finish line. Well, the first finish line. Um, and, and you want to enjoy retirement, but you're terrified of, of potentially running out of money, which is probably the biggest fear of people who we talk to in early retirement or people who in their late career who keep putting off retirement because they're just terrified that they're, they're going to run out. And it's, it's probably everyone, every single person probably has that question, whether it's at the front of their mind or the back of their mind, like, do I actually have enough? Is it going to be enough? Um, and, and you end up spending less than you possibly could just in case. Um, and, and I've actually run into people who, who did live a long time and ran out of money. So it's, you know, like I've, I've got some family friends who are parents are in that boat. They're in their late nineties and still going strong. And it's like, well, shoot, we didn't plan to live this long. Um, so, I mean, it, there is, there is that possibility. Um, but there, and we'll talk about some remedies or, or ways to try and reduce that possibility. Um, uh, but, but again, getting back to the age and health and, and physically able, timeline like while you're in your 60s you're going to be more capable of doing fun stuff than you are in your 70s versus 80s versus 90s so make sure you're you're actually spending and enjoying it to some degree and and you probably should have a little less money if you retire at 60 um, you, you probably should have less money in your 70s uh, to your name than you did and when you retired just you know if things go according to plan um, but uh but yeah, you know, so what are what are some some ways to combat the risk of outliving the money, Rochelle? Yeah. Well, so if you think about it, this is something we touched on a little bit already, but your cost of living often will go down as you age during retirement. So people think a lot about like medical expenses and things like that, but that's not the only thing that costs money. So if we think about you know, some fairly typical examples. When you're age 60 and you retire, if you retire at 60, your costs will include like medical insurance because you're not old enough for Medicare quite yet. It's going to probably include some housing costs, which, you know, a lot of people, especially our clients, maybe we don't buy our house until we're 35. So if you have a 30-year mortgage, it's possible that you pay it off ahead of time, but it could very well be that you have a mortgage payment still. Um, and then there's also like that's when you can do the fun things. So you're probably going to spend quite a bit of money traveling and things like that. Um, when you're 80, you have Medicare. So you may pay like supplemental health insurance costs, but it should be much lower than out-of-pocket health insurance. Your housing cost is probably lower. It's very unlikely that you have a mortgage at that point. You'll probably have, if you still own property, you may have property taxes and homeowner's insurance, but it should still be a smaller portion of your overall budget. And, and it's also just really likely that at 80, the things that you want to do may not cost as much as they did when you were 60, 
Like maybe we don't want to go on the ski trips all the time. And, and this doesn't necessarily have to be true for everyone, but I think it is a fairly typical spending pattern. But it, it doesn't mean that these are not real concerns. So we want to think about the few things that we can do to extend the life of our money without making it so that we're kind of wasting it and just leaving a whole bunch at the end that we didn't get any utility out of. So one thing, a couple of things we can think about. So social security, if you have social security, it may be a very small portion of your overall income as a retiree, but it's something that's not going to run out. You know, like you will get a social security benefit. It will be one source of income for you. If you have any sort of pension through work, which is not super typical, but some people do have that, that's also probably not going to go away depending on how your pension is structured. So that's another source of income that keeps going even if we don't necessarily have investment revenue at that point. The last thing, and this is something that we haven't talked about a lot on this show, but is a, a very real financial product is called an annuity, which I think everyone hears annuity and they're like, oh no. The people on the internet and on the shows told us that this is a scam. But annuities, if you think of them in a, as an investment, maybe that's a little like questionable. But when we're thinking about it in this scenario, we can treat it like an insurance. So if we are hoping that we don't run out of money, an annuity can create an income stream that lasts until you die. So you pay money for the annuity and now you get income monthly or annually or however you have structured it. And, you know, if you create that annuity so it's not for a specific time period, but it's until you pass away, you now have that longevity risk kind of protected. So if you live until 100 instead of until you're 85, you're still going to get that income from that annuity every year. And it may not be that, like, we don't necessarily want to do that with all of our investable assets. Like, that's not what we're suggesting at all. But if you put at least a portion of your retirement savings into that, especially if you're very risk averse, it can create some, I don't know, some some comfort, I think, for people who are really scared about spending down their assets and running out of money at some point. Yeah. No, we don't discuss it much because it's not super applicable to the majority of our audience at this stage in their careers. But I mean... Annuities, like if they're used for the right purpose, they're great. It's an insurance ensuring longevity. Like you're, you're just providing an income stream for life, like you said, Rochelle. It's uh, and if it's used for that reason, it, it it can definitely provide some of that peace of mind. So in addition to your social security, you have a, another income stream that that won't run out. Um, there's other things like reverse mortgages that you could potentially do, but um, uh, essentially, it's 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 ways to create and, and gather some more income for yourself um, to hedge against that risk of, of running out of your your savings. Absolutely. The other one that scares people is uh, medical expenses and, or end of life care, which could drain the assets pretty quickly and, and cause you to run out sooner than you would have expected. Um, and again, insurance can assist here. Long-term care insurance is good if you're worried about assisted living costs, cost of care, um, something that you probably want to start looking at before you get to that stage in life. So maybe in your, like your 50s would be a good time to explore those if it's a potential concern of yours. Um, obviously, you know Medicare is applicable for everyone 65 and older, and they have supplements that you can get as well. And if you truly do run out of money, there's the Medicaid 
option that'll have that backstop for you. Not that in, we want any of you to be in that circumstance, but it is there if you, if you need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of those things where you may not have a choice as to the quality of your care and things like that. But when we're thinking about these trade-offs, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of depressing to think about. But really, like, do we want to spend a ton of money making sure that you know, our quality of life is good when it's already not necessarily the best, you know, when our health has declined and we're not, we're not in a great situation to be able to enjoy all of the things in life, or do we want to spend more of that money when we can really enjoy things? Um, And those are some real trade-offs that you are making maybe without even thinking about it when you save excess money for retirement. Yep. Another one that we hear a lot, we touched on this a little bit already, but just the idea that, hey, but I want to leave something for my kids or I want to leave something to this cause. And Corey mentioned this already, but the idea that your kids will benefit from an inheritance when you pass away is like, okay, sure, maybe they would, but are they going to benefit more when they're 60, 65 and you pass away? Or are they going to benefit more if you give them some money when they're 30 35 and they're trying to buy a house and start a family like that that money can be used and given to them much earlier um, and be much more helpful at that point in time and and you also get to see them enjoy it you get to see the benefits of that money going to them so your time turned into money turned into experiences for your kids is a very like linear thing that you can look at and see if you give it to them while you're still living Absolutely. Um, How and when to spend the money? We've kind of, again, touched on it already, but summary here. um, Spend it when you have the time, money, and health to do so. So no sense taking it to the grave with you. Um, You know, let's, let's make those memories while we can. And if you've been putting off something that you'd really like to do, ask yourself if you'll even be able to do that thing in the future or, or would you enjoy that thing as much you know you talked about the ski trip you know i don't know if i'm going to want to go skiing in my 80s but now sounds like a cool thing to do um so you know everyone's circumstances are different you all have different tastes different personalities different things you enjoy different family circumstances different incomes different bank account balances so, so everyone's in a different spot um, don't look at others for guidance here. Just look at yourself and look inward. What, what, what would you want to do to make you happy? Um, and let's, you know, strongly consider, do we want to actually do that thing? Um, or are we just trying to spend money because Corey and Rochelle said spend money? You know, spend in... <laughs> but seriously, spend intentionally. Don't just spend for the sake of spending. We're really good at doing that as Americans, spending for the sake of spending. Um but spend intentionally on, on experiences, mostly, occasionally things, but, but 98% of the time it's going to be experiences with people you enjoy being around um, that's going to create lasting memories and, and pay memory dividends uh, for years to come. So consider that one. And then lastly, um, you know, I think I, I maybe touched on it already a little bit, but um, in this book, Die With Zero, he it's basically spend money, spend early, spend often, spend, 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 enjoy. Um, and and he does 
mention it a little bit, but I don't know if it's if it gets a, quite enough attention. You know, at the same time, as spending on these experiences, we also may, need to make sure we're developing good financial habits so that we actually don't run out of money in our later years. Um, or don't have to work forever because that could definitely put a strain on people too and, and make your life end sooner than you would want to with the stress that the job demands deliver. Um, so yeah, totally agree. We want to take time uh, and, and enjoy those experiences while we're young, but we also need to develop those saving habits when we're young. So that resident example we gave, yeah, you're probably not you know making huge progress towards your retirement goals, but there is some long-term benefits to developing those savings habits early because it's, it's, it's going to be hard to just flip a switch and say, all right, now I'm a saver um, when you haven't been at all. So I think you know, getting in that mindset, getting in that habit of saving early is very beneficial. And, and you know, we've talked, I think we've done some episodes on, on financial independence, retiring early, being in a position to call your own shots and live life the way you want to live on your own terms. In order to do that, it does require savings and some discipline. At the same time, we don't want to put off the fun stuff until the end. So make sure you're having some fun yeah. along the way. It's interesting. So much of this financial planning stuff people expect is numbers, but a lot of it is psychology. You know, it's just like trying to figure out how can we put the numbers into action with real people and real families and real money. And that really is about, you know, developing good habits, but also being very thoughtful and reflective of, of what actually matters. And yeah, we get we get a little, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Not squishy, but <laughs> just, you know, a little in the weeds on that kind of stuff once in a while. But it, it's, it's really good to just make sure you're doing that. I actually made my husband sit down with me a couple weeks ago and we looked at all of our spending in 2022. I'm such a geek. But we were like, okay, what did we spend money on? Is that what we wanted to spend money on or did we just do it that way? And like, do we want to be different about it this year? Like, what do we want to spend money about on this year? Like, yeah, and we made some adjustments. And I think that could be a good activity to go through as a family just to think about what really is important to us because a lot of it does cost money. So using those resources in a way that's really fulfilling, it actually makes your work more meaningful in a way. Your, your work turns into money, turns into things that you really care about, which is important. And that exercise isn't about spending less, trying to budget. It's about spending intentionally on the things that we want to spend money on, not the stuff that doesn't bring us fulfillment. So it's like, what what can we cut out, not so that we can save more per se, well, that could be a benefit, but it's more so like, do we actually need this in our life? Is it bringing us joy? If not, then why why are we still doing it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it could be like saving a little bit less. Like, hey, we saved 30% last year. Was that necessary? If we didn't do that, what else would we do? And would that be worthwhile or not? Well, you know, maybe we want to keep saving 30%, but it's good to just be reflective about it and not be on autopilot. That's probably the lesson here more than anything else. Don't do things just because. Do them because you think it's the best for you and your family. Well said. Thanks for listening. See you again next time. 
We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.